You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So, the Prophet finalizes the treaty and he signs it into law. It's now an official treaty. Then he commands the Muslims to sacrifice their sacrificial animals. They had brought, you know, camels, sheep to sacrifice. The Prophet says, Khalas, we're not going to enter Mecca this year. Let's get out of our ihram. Our pilgrimage is over because we've been blocked. We can't do tawaf and sa'i for us to get out of the ihram. So let's just get out of the ihram now and go back to Medina. Shave your heads, sacrifice your sheep, let's go. Many did not budge. He said it three times. Some companions opposed him, they're like, no, we can't. They said, how can we sacrifice our sheep and shave our heads when none of us, none of us have done tawaf around the Kaaba? We can't do that. The Prophet became very depressed. What do you do with these people? They don't listen to you. So the Prophet goes inside the tent of Umm Salama. She was with him on this journey to Hudaybiyah. The Prophet says to Umm Salama, Halakal Muslimun. If the Muslims want to continue like this, they're going to perish. I have commanded them to sacrifice their sheep and to shave their heads. They're not doing it. In another version, the Prophet says to Umm Salama, Don't you see that I am commanding them and they're disobeying me? They listen to my words and they just look at me. And they don't implement my words. The Prophet was really upset. She says to the Prophet, you know, just trying to say, to comfort him. She says, Ya Rasulullah, don't blame them. They're in a very difficult position. You know, they're concerned about you. They're returning without a conquest, without a victory, without a hajj. So, you know, she just tried to somehow, not justify for them, but just to comfort the Prophet. But then, look at the wisdom of Umm Salama. That's why we really have so much respect for her. She says, oh Prophet of Allah, ignore them. Go out, don't talk to any of them. You sacrifice your own animal, shave your head and leave. Don't listen to them anymore. Don't even ask them to do. Just do what you have to do and move on. Very smart suggestion. <laughs> the Prophet did that and the Muslims followed suit. It is reported that the Prophet had 70 camels sacrificed. He brought with him 70 camels. Each camel on behalf of seven Muslims. So he basically sacrificed the sacrificial animals for about 500 of them, since many of them couldn't afford it. There's one problem with this report. In our fiqh, in our uh, legal system, according to the Ahlul Bayt, you cannot sacrifice a sheep on behalf of several people at the Hajj if you're getting out of the Ihram. You can only do so on yourself, by, on, on, for yourself. If someone doesn't have a sacrificial animal, they're poor, what, what does the Quran state? They fast, it's okay. They don't have to offer a sacrificial animal, they just fast. So some of our scholars have doubted these reports. These reports are in line with Sunni fiqh, which, say, which they say you can sacrifice the sheep up to seven people. So we don't really know if the Prophet did that. Probably not. If he did, maybe because these were extreme circumstances, it was an exception. Otherwise, if you go to the Hajj, 
you can't slaughter a sheep and say, I'm doing this on behalf of seven people. It's, it's not valid. You have the money, you sacrifice. You don't, you fast. That's how it works. In any case, the Prophet has 70 camels sacrificed and he sent 20 of them to Mecca. He sent them with a man to Mecca. He told him, go by Masjid al-Haram, by Marwa. You know, you have Safa and Marwa. By the Marwa, kill 20 of these camels and give the meat to the Meccans. This was a very smart move by the Prophet to feed the Meccans and to attract them to Islam. That this is a generous man and you benefited from his generosity. Okay, now the Prophet has his head shaved. He has someone to shave his head. That shaver, let's call him the barber, whoever it is, he took the hair of the Prophet and he put it under a tree, like he threw it under the tree. Reports indicate that the Muslims came running, competing to take his hair for barakah and blessings. What mind boggles me is that minutes ago you were challenging him. <laughs> you weren't willing to listen to him. Now suddenly you want to take his hair for blessing. I don't know how that adds up. It's been narrated that there was a lady amongst the Muslims who was there at Hudaybiyah. Her name is Um Imara, the mother of Imara. She took some of those strands of hair. She would basically, whenever there was someone sick, this is documented in history, whenever there was someone sick in her community, she'd take those strands of hair and dip them in the water. She would feed that water to the sick, sick person, immediately he would be healed. This was the barakah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Now, when they see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi shaving his head, they're like, okay, you know, this is over. We're not going to Mecca. So some of them shave their heads, some of them cut their hair. Taqseer, right? Some of them shave their heads, halq. Some of them, they didn't want to shave their heads, even though the Prophet said, shave your heads now. They just did taqseer. The Prophet prays for those who shaved their head three times. The Prophet says, Oh Allah, have mercy on those who shaved their heads. So they, they told him, Ya Rasulullah, what about those muqassireen, those who cut their hair? The Prophet says, May Allah bless those who shaved their head. What about the ones who cut their hair? The Prophet kept saying, May Allah have mercy on those who shaved their head. After the third time, the Prophet says, okay, may Allah also have mercy on those who cut their hair. They told him, Ya Rasulullah, how come you prayed so much for those who shaved their heads, but not those who cut their hair? The Prophet says, because those who shaved their heads, they had no doubt in their heart. Those who had doubts in their hearts, they couldn't get themselves to shave their head. Can you guess why? What does it have to do with doubting the whole Hudaybiyah thing and the Prophet's position and decision? Why did they find it difficult? Because when you shave, it visibly indicates you ended your ihram and you came back without a hajj. They couldn't take that. They were, they, they were set on going to Mecca that year. So shaving your head and coming back, that means you came back without a victory and it's clear, you shaved your head. Everyone knows you went for the hajj. But if you just cut your hair a little, a little bit, it's not visible. And you can see after the hajj season, anyone who comes back in the community, his head is shaved, you already know hajj flan went to the hajj, right? 
So those who didn't have doubts in their heart, they shaved. That's why the Prophet prayed more for them. Okay. Amongst those who didn't shave their head and they did taqsir instead were Uthman. If the Prophet says those who shaved their heads didn't doubt and historically we know from sources Uthman didn't shave his head, what can we conclude about Uthman? You make the decision. <laughs> you be the judge over here. All in all, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet spent some 19 to 30 days in Hudaybiyah, depending on different reports. It was a very great trial for Muslims. They came having the certainty that we're going to enter Mecca, but they were not given the victory that they had imagined. They returned without a conquest, without a pilgrimage. So some of them were truly shaken on that day. Allah really tested them.